Bienvenue and welcome back to the Land of Desire. I'm your host, Diana, and this month, the Land of Desire turns five. I can't believe it! I wanted to celebrate by reaching out to all of you to answer your questions and say thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in over the past few weeks, whether you had a question or an episode suggestion or just said hello. I won't be able to answer every question I received, but here are a few of my favorites. I'll start with this question from Matt, but... This was the most popular question I received, so I know a bunch of people sent this one in. What topics do you have coming up? How do you decide what to discuss? When I first started The Land of Desire, I planned out all these epic mini-series. In a testament to my ability to scope projects appropriately, I originally intended to launch this show with a 10, yes, that's right, 10-part series about the history of the Louvre. Needless to say, don't expect that series anytime soon. The problem with a big mini-series is that it's easier to burn out, or worse, realize that your audience doesn't actually care about this subject when you still have four more episodes to go. So I try to force myself to scale back and do more one-off episodes because they're just more sustainable. I mean, look at Women at War. That miniseries began in September 2019, and by the time it finished, I had changed jobs, I had nursed my sister back from a car accident, I began sheltering in place, and I witnessed at least two waves of a global pandemic. These days, if I get any bright ideas like, uh, "Ah, it's time for a deep dive of the entire Hundred Years' War, I shake my head, I take a deep breath, and I say, no, Diana, let's spend 30 minutes talking about the potato. Often, when I'm beginning the process of brainstorming a new subject, I'll take a look at my own personal life for inspiration. What am I reading lately? How have I been spending my time? What has already got my attention these days? It's a much better jumping off point for me than forcing myself to go back to a subject I selected for myself months ago. Take last month's episode, for example. By the time this episode goes up, my boyfriend and I will be taking a very exciting vacation to Hawaii. Obviously, in June, I wanted an excuse to daydream about tropical islands some more, which led me down the path of studying the cultivation of vanilla. Since I'm in vacation mode, I'm trying my best not to think about next month's episode topic just yet. Empty head, no thoughts. It'll be as much a surprise to you as it will be to me. Next question is from Ryan, who asks, How long does the research process usually take? For a single standalone episode, it's about two to three weeks of research, while a miniseries, of course, can be much more research spread out over the course of months. My production schedule is always the same. I aim to be done with research by Sunday night 
aim to finish the script by Monday night, aim to finish recording and editing the vocals by Tuesday night. Then on Wednesday, I mix in the music, write the blog post and draft the social media updates. God knows it almost never works out that way. My research always starts in the same place. My enemy and my closest friend, JSTOR. The absolutely amazing San Francisco Public Library System offers me free access and I take full advantage of it. I usually read 8 billion papers about a particular topic until I'm able to figure out what kind of a slant or focus I want to take, and then I supplement it with books and other scholarly works once I have a better idea of where I'm headed. Stephen asks, how do you prioritize topics for the podcast? And how do we influence that process? Haha, <laughs> you don't. Sorry, everyone. It's interesting to me that there's one question nobody ever asks. How do I stay motivated to keep doing the show month after month? This podcast has now been my constant companion for nearly one sixth of my life. It's a heck of a commitment. And one of the most important ways that I stay connected to the show is by creating a show for myself and sharing it with others. Capitalism is a hungry beast, which always wants to monetize everything. Anyone listening who has any kind of hobby is probably familiar with this feeling. Are you planning to do it full time? Oh, is it a side hustle? And so on. The Land of Desire is first and foremost a passion project, and the way that I stay passionate about it is by not feeling obligated to deliver episodes on topics I might not be feeling at the moment, or subjects that I don't personally care about. Sorry, everyone. It will always be a whimsical endeavor. Stephen also had another really good question, which I don't think I've been asked before. What topic did you think was the most interesting of the topics you have covered? It's really hard to choose. Like I said, this is a really good question. I absolutely loved learning about the history of the catacombs. It had everything I love. Secret societies, hidden passageways, urban planning, and of course, sinkholes. I feel like I get to show off my knowledge of the catacombs a lot more often than I was expecting when I originally did that episode. I'm not sure whether that's a good thing. Rose Valland and her heroic notebooks is, it's basically my favorite story in French history, maybe ever. Uh, it When I go back to my original notebook that I kept when I wrote down ideas before I even launched the podcast, Rose Volan's story was one of the original topics that I wanted to cover. If you get enough drinks in me at a party, that will be the story that I tell to strangers, whether or not they really want to hear it. So it was such a joy to be able to talk about her at the end of the very long Women at War saga. Next, here is an exciting question from Nicole. What are your favorite French-inspired or historically French places in the United States? If you have any good suggestions for when we visit San Francisco, please let us know. 
Nicole, you have struck upon one of the number one topics that I want to cover in a future episode, the French in America. More specifically, I am almost as passionate about San Francisco history as I am about French history, and I debated for quite a while which place I should focus on for my podcast. I've thought about doing a spin-off mini-series on San Francisco quite a lot, but I'm not sure whether there'd be enough interest in it. Luckily, these two subject areas overlap quite nicely. I would love to talk about the French 49ers, for example, and maybe this is the year for it. I've never been to New Orleans, and I feel like a trip would be very important, you know, for research purposes. So if I have any listeners in New Orleans, please say hello. As for visiting San Francisco, take a walking tour of the old Barbary Coast, where the French immigrants first settled along the old shoreline. You can see where the city decided to build right on top of a bunch of sunken ships. In terms of food, I have a million recommendations. My favorite French restaurant is Gaspar, but I'm not sure whether it's reopened yet. It's been closed for all of the pandemic, so fingers crossed. I miss that place a lot. You can take a trip out to the inner Richmond to eat at Chapeau. Uh, I particularly love their cassoulet. You can also get a perfect souffle at Café Jacqueline. When I first launched this podcast, I celebrated with a rather enormous glass of wine at Aquitaine, which still has some of the best pommes frites in the city. For baked goods, there are easy winners depending on what you're after. The best croissants are at Arsico in the Richmond, the best Queen Amman is at B Patisserie in Pack Heights, and the best fancy patisserie is at 165 near Union Square. The best baguette is a much harder question. I'm not sure I've picked a team, but Tartine and Jane the Bakery are standouts. I have time for one last question, and I know that this is really short, but uh, in classic Diana fashion, I am literally getting things wrapped up so I can leave for the airport in about seven hours. But I'll wrap things up with a question from Corinne, who wants to take things all the way back to the beginning. She asks, what inspired you to start the podcast? Great question, Corinne. I've mentioned this in a few places, but I don't remember whether I ever told this story in a podcast episode. Quite a few years ago, I found myself unexpectedly and unceremonially dumped. I had just moved back in with my parents, and now I found myself alone, very sad, incredibly bored in my small hometown. It was a miserable summer, and my hometown is like 100 degrees every day, all day. I needed a distraction fast. So in an effort to keep from brooding, I started taking big daily hikes. If my hometown has one thing to offer, it is vast, endless space for hiking nowhere in particular. So off I went, each afternoon stomping out my frustration in the fields for hours at a time. I started listening to podcasts along the way, and two shows really captured my heart. 
you must remember this and revolutions. I found myself wishing for a show which was some kind of mashup of the two, some kind of laid-back, entertaining pop history of France. And I realized that no such thing existed, at least not back then. Well, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. And God knows I had enough free time to pick up a new hobby. So that summer, I began developing the skeleton of the show. That was back in 2015, and it would take an entire year before the show actually launched. I had a lot of books to read, I had some equipment to buy, and oh yeah, I met this cute guy who would end up becoming the show's greatest cheerleader and most overworked intern. I made a million mistakes along the way. Remember that 10-part miniseries on the Louvre that I mentioned earlier? And I did everything that they said not to do. Launch with at least three episodes in the tank. Don't be a perfectionist. Yeah, right. Well, after a year of preparation, the show finally launched on Bastille Day 2016. Now, five years later, I'm sitting on 70 episodes and nearly 1 million downloads. I say that not to toot my own horn. Well, yes, actually, no, it's Bastille Day, and the whole day is about tooting on horns. But I say this to encourage anyone listening at home, do it. Try the new hobby. Start the new project. I know you're thinking, what if it fails? But here's a question for you. What if it succeeds? Five years later, the coolest part of this entire project isn't the fact that I finally have an answer whenever someone in a meeting asks me for a fun fact about myself. It's the fact that I get to talk to all of you. I've spoken with listeners from all around the world. You've offered me stories, ideas, recipes, travel itineraries, even invitations to visit. And it feels like I have a little community spread around the world. I'm going to be off the grid for the next few weeks, relaxing and furiously reapplying sunscreen. But when I come back, I can't wait to pick up this grand conversation where we left off. Until next time, au revoir!